My name is Sharzad Kiade. I'm a Gemini pescatarian, a mom of two wild little boys. I'm Susan Yara. I'm a mom of two also. This morning, I went to the bathroom alone. I woke up at five, put my boob in her mouth, and then she took a dump. Because that's what she uses me for. <laughs> that's what you're going to hear a lot of our stories and experiences in our crazy journeys to motherhood. It's fam for all moms, not for all dads, not fathers and moms, for all moms. It's going to be good all time. You guys are going to want to stick around. Promise. So subscribe. Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and DC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. All right, everybody, we are in the uh, final hour of the program, and we thought that we'd uh, talk about Trent's team. Even though now he's thinking of switching allegiances (laughs) from the Bears to anybody. Uh, I've, I've thought about doing that before, yeah. but you can't go can't away from that. your team. Okay. No, no, no. Even as frustrated as you may be with things, you always stick with your team. Jeff Hughes, DeBear's blog, joining us right now on the Draft House 50 hotline. Jeff, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Jeff, uh, we're great. Uh, so many Bears fans, and I, I follow your accounts just like reeling, absolutely reeling. You, on the other hand, have been at least a little bit more positive about the Trubisky selection. I'll ask you just straight up, how come you're like the only one? I'm not, first of all, I'm not. I am by, by far not the only one. And, and an overwhelming majority of people who've reached out to me in the last few days are very positive on the pick. Okay. What happened here was that they shocked people. More than anything else, and I was actually on, on this station before the draft, and I said that I had heard rumblings that there was interest in Trubisky. And I don't think the Bears were concrete on the ability to get him until it was certain the Browns were going to take Miles Garrett. And once that happened, once the Browns were taking Miles Garrett, the Bears were getting Mitch Trubisky in this draft. He was the guy they have identified for more than a few months. He was their guy. And I... I cannot. I don't understand the concept of defaming or disparaging a team for identifying a potentially franchise quarterback and doing everything in your power to get him. We as Bears fans have sat through so much of a nightmare at the quarterback position for how long? And to finally have an organization. Listen, they tried this with Cutler. It didn't work out for a myriad of reasons. This is a guy, Ryan Pace, who said, that's my quarterback, and I'll do everything in my power to get him. Uh, we owe him a chance to see now if this is the guy. And listen, the knock on Mitch Trubisky is that he didn't play enough college games. That's it. If you watch Mitch Trubisky tape, he's a, an amazing talent. He can do everything, make every pro throw. He's fast. He's elusive. He's a wonderful prospect. The only knock on him is it's 13 starts. But when you actually compare the amount he played, the amount of passes he threw, to an Aaron Rodgers at Cal, to a Carson Wentz, uh, against high-level competition, it's not that bad. I don't think he's going to have a huge impact in 2017, but I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Well, uh, good to hear that one because there, there's there been lots of people, and nationally it was widely panned. So let's start with the decision to trade up, to move up one spot from the number three selection to the number two selection. And and with it, some people felt like the Bears were fleeced, giving up a third, a fourth this year, and then a third again next year to move up one spot when there was nobody else that was looking to move up to that spot. What's your belief of what happened there? I believe wholeheartedly there was somebody trying to get into that spot. 
And I believe Ryan Pace, more importantly, believed there was a chance someone wanted to get into that spot. And if they were getting into that spot, they were going there to get Mitch Trubisky. And I, and I take it back to this, this point. It, Ryan Pace received 15 phone calls for the number three pick. He had to assume that when those calls ended futilely, they were going to call for number two. And if Ryan Pace had even a 1% belief, if it was 99% sure Trubisky would be there at three, but there was 1% chance he was going to lose his quarterback, how could he in his mind say it's not worth an extra third-round pick to get my quarterback? We're talking about the quarterback, the most important position in all of professional sports, bar none. This was the guy they wanted. This was their draft. If they, if they did not come out of this draft with Mitch Trubisky, they were going to see it as a failure. So I'm not a picks guy. I, you can have all the third-round picks in the world for all I care. Get me the quarterback. And Pace believed someone was trying to get up there. I think the Bears believed it was the Browns. I think the Browns wanted Mitch Trubisky in this draft. But the Bears said, hey, we're willing to give up what seems like a lot to get that one spot and to get our quarterback. I commend the move. And, and also, you know, Adam Hoagie, who does WGN uh, in Chicago, he did a, they have these pick evaluations where they're worth points. And the Bears ended up in this draft selecting more point-wise than they would have at the start of the night. So it was all over a few spots and, and, a, and a sort of a third-round selection. The Bears got their quarterback. Now, if he turns out to be a great player, everyone will look at this draft as one of the most successful in Bears history because they haven't really drafted a successful quarterback in an awful long time. It all comes down to whether this kid can play. I have no problem with how they went about getting him. Despite the fact, then, with the selections about, I guess, guys that not many fans had even heard of and playing at uh, smaller schools, where are you on that, Jeff? I know there was an old running back named Walter Payton. I know, yep. And, and, and I, I think, listen, I don't know if those guys are any good, but I've seen an awful lot of Alabama players and Florida players and Ohio State players come into the league and flop out. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to trust your evaluators. And Ryan Pace is coming off one of the five best drafts in Bears history. Um, we have to trust that these evaluators know what they're doing. I have no idea if, if Shaheen and, and Cohen and, and Jackson are going to be any good, but no one else does either. These were bold picks. These were not highlight names. These were not Division One big school. You're going to see them on Saturday night names. So Pace is taking a chance there. And, I, again, I, it's not that I commend him. It's not that I don't think it's an honorable thing that he did, but he's trusting his evaluative skill, and that's what he's there to do. So is it, is, are these risks? Absolutely. But they're all risks. And I don't, I don't necessarily know that, that taking a, a kid from Ashland is, is any more of a risk than taking a kid from Rutgers. Matter of fact, Ashland's probably a better football team than us. <laughs> so I would say, and Bill Belichick, by the way, only drafts from Rutgers. Yeah, yeah he so, does. So it, it, I just think we're all so deep into this, this, this buffoon show that is the draft. And we're so deep into third. This used, to, this used to happen on Saturday and Sunday afternoons, and only the diehardiest of diehards watched it. But now there's so many mock drafts. There's so many draft analysts. There are so many people commenting and grading and mocking all these drafts. I just think we overthink it. And if two or three guys in this draft become good bears moving forward, it's a good draft. But we won't know that for two or three years. You know, Jeff, uh, the, the small school thing, there, there are plenty of examples of guys that have come through small schools, and 
not just Walter Payton, but in, in recent days, we see that all the time. Mm-hmm. It just felt to me they went to that well so often. Ashland, North Carolina A&T, Goodstown. I, I would have been okay one or two, but it seemed like maybe Pace was just showing how smart he was. I don't know. That's just how it struck me as a Bears fan. Your thoughts on that? No, Trent, and you're 100% right. He opened himself up to massive criticism mm-hmm. uh, with this draft. He, he took a chance on the quarterback. He went to the smaller schools. There's no question about it. Ryan Pace's job was put on the line Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of last week because that's what you do when you give up stuff to go get the quarterback. And if Trubisky fails, Pace could get fired anyway. Mm-hmm. So it won't matter what, where the tight end came from that he chose after Trubisky. But he put himself on the line. It was a bold statement by a Bears GM, something we don't see very often. And listen, if, if Shaheen turns into what the Bears think he is, and they clearly think with that size and that speed that he could become an, a big star at the tight end position, mm-hmm. if, if one of those guys turns into what they hope they're, they're going to be, it's going to be a home run draft, and Pace is going to be a superstar. So I, I understand the criticism, but a lot of it is that we just don't know enough about these guys mm-hmm. because we didn't see them play every Saturday because they weren't part of our scouting routine. And I use scouting in massive quotes. Right. Um, but it's a, it's a risky draft. But, again, we just have to wait and see. All right. Take me then to head coach John Fox had no idea they were pulling the trigger on Trubisky. Are you in on that, down on it, or is that just fabrication? Well, Mortensen backed off on it very quickly, which leads me to believe somebody said something they weren't supposed to say. Um, I I think with with the Fox-Pace relationship, this is a critical year. You cannot – this kid needs to be developed, and he needs to be sitting in one system for a long period of time. And I think John Fox, if if he's not all in on Trubisky and he wants to stay the Bears coach, he better get all in on Trubisky fast. And that means everything this organization does now for the next, I would say for the next year, should be about putting Mitch Trubisky in a position to succeed. I think Fox knew about the pick. I don't think he was kept in the dark. But let's be honest about John Fox. One of his best friends is Jay Glazer. And the Bears went out of their way to hide their interest in Mitch Trubisky for months. Mm -hmm. There wasn't one leak about the Bears and Mitch Trubisky for months. If John Fox knows that's their intention, that's the guy they're definitely taking in the first round, Jake Glazer has that the minute that that becomes uh, true. And I really believe that Ryan Pace kept this thing bottled up. He trusted his scouts. Trubisky was number one quarterback on every scout board in the Bears' war room. I think he trusted that process. But I think I would say John Fox was not – John Fox is never – we don't really know what he is. He's never going to want to take a quarterback at three. He's going to want a big, bruising defensive lineman. Yeah. So this was a Ryan Pace pick. This was a Ryan Pace draft. And I think he trusts John Fox now to develop this talent, and we'll see how the relationship develops. Saw so today uh, they will open camp with OTAs in 83 days at Bourbon A. Uh, read your article earlier today, Jeff, talking a little bit about – you know, the different options for quarterback this year, what they're going to get out of Glennon, how quickly we are going to see Mitch Trubisky out there for the first time. A lot of scenarios out there, but what's the most likely, how this is going to play out in 2017 at the quarterback spot? If, if I had to really guess it, I would think Glennon will be the starter in September, just no matter how Trubisky plays this summer. Uh, they'll have a very middling 
first half. I don't think I don't think very highly of Glennon. So I could see them being through eight games, three and five, maybe even two and six. They have a kind of tough opening to the schedule, mm-hmm. and then Trubisky probably comes in after the bye week, middle season, and finishes the year. I would compare it, and I compared it sort of right after the draft to this. The I believe it was the old Ford New York Giants. They had Kurt Warner. They just gone out and signed him. They drafted Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. Kurt Warner played the first half of that year. The season was going nowhere, and the Giants said, "Kid, it's your team now." And Eli Manning didn't have a losing season for nine years. So I think that will be the approach. They're going to give Glennon a chance to start. They're going to let Trubisky learn. But if that season's getting away from them at the midway point, I think Trubisky plays. Because I don't think the Bears' ownership, I don't think the Bears' organization wants an empty building again in December. Right. And if they're a three- or four-win team with Mike Glennon playing, that building's going to be empty in December again. But if they're a three- or four-win team and the kid is coming into play, that building will be fired up because they'll get a chance to see what they believe is the future of the, of the franchise. So that's what I would imagine. Now, the best-case scenario for me is that Trubisky flat-out beats him for the job this summer and takes it day one. That's what, what someone like Russell Wilson does. That's what I think great players can do, and I think Trubisky's a great player. But with John Fox coaching, I think he's going to go with the veteran, as much of a veteran as Glennon is, and I think halfway through the season we'll see Trubisky. Makes a lot of sense there. Uh, did you have a takeaway from A, Trubisky getting uh, booed when he went out to the Bulls game there his first night in Chicago, and secondly, having Glennon at the draft party and uh, seemingly none too pleased with them moving up <laughs> to get your business. Well, the, the draft party thing is just mean. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just mean. to put, And that's one of those things. You know, those draft parties are run by the PR department. Ryan Pace doesn't know what's going on at the draft party. And Ryan Pace can't tell the people who run the draft party, hey, don't bring the quarterback there because I'm taking one. <laughs> so, like, it's, 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 they have no win situation. But I can only imagine Glennon looking up at the TV as the third pick happens or second pick happens. And the, the, there must have been a hush silence. I mean, oh, I feel bad for it. The, the booing, listen, fans can boo whatever they want. If their problem is Mitch Trubisky, they're wrong. If they don't like the pick, get in your car drive to Lake Forest, drive up to Hallis Hall, and scream out the window. To boo this kid, whose only crime was that he's good at football, yeah. and that an organization wants to pay him millions of dollars to lead their franchise. To boo this kid at his first sporting event in Chicago is so ridiculous, and I think shameful. And I think fans of, uh, of, the, of the Bears have to understand what is happening here. Ryan Pace has rebuilt this organization from scratch. Almost everybody who was on this roster when he got here is no longer on this roster. That's insane in a three-year span. Now he's gone and got the big piece. He went and got the quarterback. And now what he puts around the quarterback and how the quarterback fits will determine his legacy in Chicago and how long he's here running the franchise. But Mitch Trubisky is a good kid who loves football. And to boo him at a basketball game because you don't like that they gave up a third-round pick to get him is shameful. But it's kind of the going rates for Bears fans these days. They've, they've been hostile towards this team. They were hostile towards the last quarterback. Uh, they believe they're owed more. They're right that they're owed more. But that's just not the way to express it. We're having a conversation. Jeff Hughes, the Bears blog. It comes to us on the Draft House 50 hotline, Mill Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Okay. So we've got into a lot of the negative stuff. Give me something 
positive. In other words, you have a positive spin. You say you have finally heard now from people who are looking at it with a more positive spin. If you were going to step to the microphone, what would you tell the millions of Bears fans? I would tell the millions of Bears fans that they finally got their wish. They finally got a general manager willing to put it all on the line for the most important position in sports. He risked it. He went for it. And now you have to just be patient and wait for that kid to play. That's it. The running game is there. The offensive line is there. The front seven's way better. They still have work to do on the secondary. But the team is coming together. The quarterback is now chosen. As I said about the Glennon signing, which I couldn't stand when it happened, but then I looked at the contract and said, this is a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. These guys don't believe he's the future. If they believe he was the future, they're nuts. So now the quarterback is there. And there's a 50, maybe let's call it a 30% chance that he's going to be a star. That's about the rate for, for where he was picked in the draft. You have to hope he's the guy. But if he's the guy... You're looking at a franchise that will be competitive in the playoff chase and competing for championships for 10 to 15 years. That's what you get when you get the guy. Ask the Giants, ask the Steelers, ask the Packers and the Patriots. When you get the guy, you're in it every single year. That's true. And the Bears think they got the guy. We have to hope they're right. Okay. For the the love of Doug Flutie. (laughs) The the front seven looks to be in good shape. The offensive line, they made improvements, especially in the interior. We've talked about quarterbacks. Jordan Howard had a great rookie season. It comes down to, well, your defensive backfield, what that's going to look like this year, getting fuller healthy. And on the other side, who's catching the football here? Well, that's a good question. Uh, (laughs) I don't know who's catching the football right now. Um I would think if you ask the Bears what their hopes are, it'll be Kevin White and Cameron Meredith would be their starting wide receivers. They, they need to get something out of Kevin White. This is a pivotal year for his development. They went out and got Marcus Wheaton and Kendall Wright. Those are sort of your proven guys. They know they can get sort of number three quality out of those guys. Uh, Cameron Meredith really came on last year and can be a valid number two. But if Kevin, the, 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 the receiving core in general is going to come down to, for me, how much Kevin White can actually play this year, and the Bears have to hope he plays a lot. The second day. All right, everybody, welcome back. A final segment for today, and then both Trent and I are going to go out and play golf. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, you mean you can't go? No, no, oh. no, no. It doesn't work out quite that way. You have to. Me. You mean you have to work? Is yes, that... yes. Ah. I don't have the rock and roll lifestyle of. Jimmy I understand Jimmy. perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll think about you. Are uh, you going to the golf course? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go to the driving range. You are. Yeah. Are you kidding? out there 172 with that driver? Yeah. <laughs> with my putter. No, no, with your driver. <laughs> 172. <laughs> All right. Look, we've had a, a fun show here today. Um, but let's kind of roll in. We've, this has kind of been very topical for us this week, is what's on your plate for the night. Right. And so let's kind of, uh, let's kind of roll in through that and then we'll just kind of do a rehash of everything that we kind of went through today. So where are you beginning tonight? Because uh, I know where I'm going to go. You're going to the bar. Well, that's a given. Oh, okay. But I know which game I'm going to be dialed into tonight. Well, I'm not going to watch uh, much NHL. Rangers, Senators. Doesn't, doesn't do, interest me that much. Doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. You get Boston, Washington. 
that'll be uh, that'll be good in the NBA tonight. Yes, keeping an eye on that one. Yes, uh, Utah Golden State tonight. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Out. Yeah, bull out here we come once again. Where are you going, Jimmy B? I'm going baseball. Really? Yeah. Don't put yourself back up on that chair. You just sort of passed out on me there. Come on, get back in it. Here's the deal. With what took place, and we've talked about it earlier on the show, but just quickly to recap, in the game last night with Baltimore and Boston, Mm -hmm. this is the final game of that series in Beantown. Don't you think that if there were going to be unbelievable fireworks that it would take place tonight, or do you think that the managers get a call from the commissioner's office Hey, knock this stuff off. Well, they already did yesterday. Yeah, I know, but it... It happened before the game yesterday. Yeah. And what did it do? Yes. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing I, at all. I know. Nothing at all. So, when I look at it, Jimmy B, I think last night was the reaction from the home plate umpire. Yep. On a curveball. I get it. Was incorrect. No, I don't get it. No, no, but I mean, I, I get, I get though, where, where the ump is coming from. You do? Where? Yes. Be- because he's human... He didn't want it to escalate anymore, and I think he was afraid. And look, you, what what's the difference if you get plunked with 98 or plunked at 77? 77 doesn't hurt as bad. Right. Okay. But you still got plunked. And I think with what has been going on between these two teams, was it an overreaction because it was a curveball that got a little bit outside and then hit him in the butt cheek? Yeah, I think it was an overreaction. But I have a feeling that the umps had been told anything, anything, try to cut it as quickly as you can, and I think that's what happened. Gossman hadn't given up a hit at that point. I agree. He was pitching well. He was pitching well. Yep. Second inning, right? Second inning. And on a curveball, Mm -hmm. on a cold night, those get away. Here's the problem. If they would have given warnings before the game, they did not. No, they did not. That is they correct. did not give warnings before the game. Yeah. The Orioles are getting screwed in this whole situation. After what Sale did the night before, I agree. Throwing behind Manny Machado, trying to continue this, getting back in Machado for going in hot against Pedroia. Mm-hmm. For him not to get ejected with a fastball, mm-hmm. and there is a difference, Jim. Yes, there is. Oh, there I know. is a difference the between a right fastball. There. You got it. And a curveball. Yep. And then come back the next night without a warning before the game. Right. And to eject a guy in the second inning with a curveball, it was a bad look. I, the I, Orioles have gotten screwed twice. Yes. Sale should have been ejected. I, I agree. Right he away. Wasn't. Right away. He should have been tossed. And then last night, Gaussman gets ejected in the second inning. The mm-hmm. Orioles are the ones that got the bad part of this. And... I can understand the frustrations. Adam Jones gets ejected from the game. Right. Arguing, arguing the call. And, balls yeah. and strikes. He he was incredibly upset, and we know about the week that he has gone through mm-hmm. uh, with everything that happened in the national story that started with, with the racial epithets that were thrown his way. It's, I, I think the umpire crew did a terrible job. I think Holbrook behind the plate was awful. You can't eject a guy in that spot. Mm-hmm. It isn't, oh, he made a mistake. No. You have to understand going in. You have to understand. And if you really believe that that was a pitch with intent, get together with your crew. See, it was that, very that's, quick. That's what he should have done first. He should have stopped it, got together with the crew, and then made the determination. But he didn't. And I just think that there was so much buildup. I just think that the umpires were, hey, we're, whatever, if something 
even as weak as a 77-mile-per-hour curveball. Now, that would kill me. You, on the other hand, have a little bit more padding than I do. Ah, uh, you'd be fine. So, you as long think as so? hit of Oregon, you'll be all right. <laughs> so, I, I agree from the standpoint, it was a curveball, cold night. Concept is, might have got away. But it still hit them. And I just think that the umps were just so wired that they were afraid that the benches and the, everybody else was going to be on the field and it was going to be a melee. If that's the case, then, then issue then, a warning, warning before the game. I'm, I'm good with that. They didn't. I know they didn't. So I the, know. Rev, the, the umpire crew screwed this up. Mm-hmm. Holbrook screwed this up. You started off trying to defend the guy. I'm There's def- no defending No, this. I'm defending him because he's a human being, and I'm sure that he did not want a melee on the field. Did he overreact? Yes, I agree with you that he overreacted. And yanking it that fast on a curveball. And it looked like the curveball didn't even break. That's what it looked like when it left his hand. But I just think that it was in the umpire's mind, if anything is in doubt... Eject, and well, that's, then, and that's then what issue happened. A warning before I, the game. I agree with you. Look, I'm telling you, I I agree with that. That's what they should have done. All I'm saying is, I'm not defending the umpire, other than the fact that I'm sure that the umps got together and said, if we see anything, we got to cut it right away. Well, if that's the case, that's what they a did. Warning. That's what they issue did. A I know, warning but before they, the but game, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. So it goes back to the umpire crew, and Holbrook screwed this up. Okay, screwed this up tonight. We'll see. I hope this is over. I, I do, too. I hope this is over. I hope we can get back to talking about baseball and, and uh, what is a good series and a good rivalry brewing here, but but all the histrionics around it have just gone absolutely too far now yeah. at this point. Let's let's get back to the baseball. So you're going to be watching a little of that tonight, I'm, huh, I'm Jimmy gonna, B? I'm going to have that on one of the monitors, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of day baseball today. Get the Cardinals and Brewers. They were rained out last right. night. I was looking forward to that. I want to see Wainwright. He's uh, scheduled to start again tonight. You told me that you were going to pay attention to that because you wanted to see if you could see anything because he hasn't looked good at all. No, no. His ERA is over six. Yeah. He has really struggled uh, coming into that one. So I'll be keeping an eye on that one. In fact, that was supposed to be a, an afternoon game as well today. Mm-hmm. But because of the rains, they tried to push it back even more and at least try to get one of these games on. So a lot of day baseball today. Hockey, like I said, not really... NBA, I'll be excited about the Celtics and Wizards. I will, too. I will, too. And I, you know me, I'm going to watch some of Utah and Golden State uh, just because I get a chance to watch Steph Curry play, if that's all. I tweeted out last night that LeBron James is now tied with Michael Jordan as the second-best player ever in the NBA. And what, 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 Who's first? Wilt. And it's not even close. He was a freak athletically, but yes. he was posting up guys about your size. I mean, come on. No, he was. <laughs> and stop it. <laughs> and when you say my size, you got nothing to shout about. We already no. had that measuring contest. Still, no, Will Chamberlain wealth. was a anomaly. He was. He was. If he played, he still has records in the NBA. If I understand he, if that. He played, I understand. If he that. played today, he would still be, he'd be unstoppable today. Get out of here! Who's going to guard him? Anybody guards? Oh please, him. Draymond Green, here. stop! Yes. Get out of Andrew here! Andrew Iguodala, you are so ridiculous. Zaza Pachulia, a guy that cared more about the stats oh. than, than anything else. If he played today, he he would have his way, and the reason is is because, and you said it, he was such a great athlete. 
He yeah, could, in comparison to the rest he of the could, league. He could run all day, run all night. He could look run at the league now. The court. Everybody could do that. Get well, out I'm of just, here. There's no okay, way. Okay, so put LeBron back playing in the 1960s. What would He'd LeBron be, a star. be doing? He'd be a freaking star. All right. It is the environment, and it's the time period oh, he played please. in. Oh, what do you please. mean, oh, please? I'm talking about athleticism at the highest level. Right, because and he was Wilt, playing a bunch of Wilt, stiffs. He wasn't playing a bunch. You got a lot of... Alt- he played Bill Russell all the time. He played against Walt Bellamy. He set, he set the NBA record of 55 rebounds in one game against Bill Russell and the All-Star team of the Boston Celtics. Three quarters of the Boston Celtics team are in the NBA Hall of Fame. So why didn't he win? Uh, didn't have enough uh, around him, oh. except when he got stuff around oh. him, he did win. Oh. And if you want to equate, well, Jordan won six times. Mm-hmm. Wilt only won twice. Hey, Bill Russell won 10 as a player, 11 if you count him as the coach. 11. So if you want to point and now you're going to tell me that, well, Bill Russell was playing against guys like you and me. He was. No, he wasn't. Go back and the watch. Av- the average height back it's then of the, the centers was 6'10". It's not the height, Jim. Yeah. Look at some of those guys. They were absolute stiffs. Go back and watch those games. I've seen plenty of I'm those telling games you, I'm telling on hardwood you, classics. I've, I've, looked at, I've looked at a lot of the hardwood classic stuff, and they they played tough, and they played rough, and they played yes, hard. Yes, they played I'm physical. just telling you. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Nobody would be able to stop him. And today. they had as much athleticism as Mabel in a county. That is not correct. Oh, it absolutely is. That is, is. not correct. You've so, lost your ever loving mind now. Whatever you're smoking over there, let me have some. Will Chamberlain get Jeez. out of here? Good he golly. was an athletic freak for the time, but the best basketball player of ever. all time. There's no question about it in my mind. Yeah, well, you're not mind. even. It's not even close. Your mind. You need to go get that thing checked out. <laughs> Unbelievable. Regardless of that. Yes. To the present day. Okay. And LeBron. Okay. He is so awesome. Oh, God. And are, are we seeing people finally coming I around? So. I hope so. I you, hope you, so. Get, you get the back and forth debate with Jordan. And yeah. Him, but can we leave that alone and just appreciate what we have with this guy and the miles that is on his body? And there's no signs of slowing down. No. There's no. no year and a half break to go play baseball. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Or because of uh, gambling. Gambling. Uh, you had to as, go. Yeah, that's why he left. As, as the rumor for many years has been out yes. there with Jordan. Yeah. There is none of that. He's not playing a, a bunch of guys with no athleticism like Will Chamberlain. <laughs> Stop it. He is such an amazing player. And the way that his body continues to go up, the minutes that he plays, the number of playoff games that he's played, mm-hmm. just the taxing of him and what he has done, he's unbelievable. He is. Right. He is absolutely unbelievable. And do you think? Do you think just watching what we have seen here, not just against the way that they swept through the Pacers, but what they've done in the first two games and the way LeBron has directed everything? He's the maestro. He he directs everything on the court. There was a comparison to Magic Johnson because when Magic was in his prime as well. He directed just about everything that was on the court. LeBron is doing that as we as we watch these playoff games. You know, when I look at LeBron, it's still going to come down to for this year how he's going to be remembered. Yes, what happens in the finals? I agree. I mean, that's I know I'm that's with you. how everything is measured for LeBron at this point. Yes. If they go out and you know they get beat up by Golden State, they lose four one something mm-hmm. like that. Nobody's going to remember this year. I, I know it's going to be what happened last season, bringing that championship to Cleveland. 
the block shot that he had, the way that he played down the stretch, down 3-1 coming back, all those things, that's what's going to be talked about and remembered. Nobody's going to remember a series against the Pacers or the Raptors no. or even the Celtics no. in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're right. In the end, it's going to come down to what happens in June. I agree with you 100%. And if they are capable of winning back-to-back against the scoring machine, which is Golden State, uh, it'll just be another feather in LeBron's cap. And once again, that argument of who's who is going to be forefront and you're still going to have... I got into a little uh, Twitter conversation last night with with a guy. And and it was after I tweeted out about LeBron James and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I sent back at him, and he says, you're not even close. He can't carry Jordan's jock. You know, the usual stuff right, that you right. get. So I sent back, oh, dude, just get out of here with that and go put your uh, Jordan jersey on. Oh, wait. Put on the Jordan jersey that has wizards on it. <laughs> so he wrote I don't back. Get it. He wrote back because everybody, nobody has a a, a wizards Jordan jersey. Nobody sure has. Do. You think so? It was the number one seller in the NBA when well, he played. Was there. it really? Yeah. Oh wow. Well, he apparently he thinks that nobody has one. I did not realize that that it was the number one seller then. Well, did he just come back? Well, go put on your LeBron Heat jersey. <laughs> your your Wizards jersey. No, your LeBron Heat jersey. Oh, Heat jersey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wh- why are you I, Jordan I, for playing for the Wizards? I don't get it. I, I, he, because because what's he, your point? Be, my my point was he was old at that time and his game had deteriorated and all he had was his jump shot. Granted, he shot it better than most guys that were still playing in the NBA for a couple of years, but still. It was a change of tactics from what people perceive as the best player of all time. I just wanted to let him know that, you know, that career, it was like to this guy that the Washington aspect of Jordan's career never existed. He never, he never played for the Wiz ever. So I just let him know that. That's all. So your argument is that Jordan played until he was deep. Into his thirties, and that's a negative. I, I don't. No, no. I don't get what your argument. My, is. my my argument was was that he didn't even he didn't even comprehend that Jordan even played for the Wiz. That's why I told him to go put on his Wizard jersey, and he said, "Oh no, nobody cares about that." Well, it's part of his history. It's part of his legacy. That's all. Hmm. Nonsensical. Just chatter. Very nonsense. Just chat. Just chatter. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what the hell you're trying to talk about. Jimmy. Well, I was late into the night. Apparently, deep into the cocktail too. I, I was late. It was late. It was late. It was probably about eleven o'clock. Maybe you should just stay off the Twitter machine if that's what you're coming up with at that point in time. Oh man, man I know. Be. I know. What so, can I say? Uh, yeah. Who you like tonight? You like uh, like the Wiz to get it done? I mean, nobody cares about the other game. It's, it's Golden, Golden State will beat yeah. Utah. Yeah, they can't match up. Um, I think the Wiz win tonight. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think they they're a really good home team. One thing that they have to have, they just can't be John Wall, and that's it. They got to get some help from Bradley Beal. He was dreadful uh, in the uh, second game, and even though they had a chance to win at the Horn, uh, they just didn't get it done, and then lost in overtime, which is why the Celtics are up two games to none. But I just believe that the Wiz will win tonight at home. It's got to be quite demoralizing to play the way that they did for most of that game. Yes. Have Wall have the game that he did. Yes. And still not be able to get the win. You know, the old adage is, 
A playoff series doesn't begin until somebody loses on their home floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of continues tonight. Down 3 nothing, they're coming back. But even that, can the Wizards win this series? They have to win four out of five. They now do now. To get that done. Yeah. I can't see it. Yeah, you know, I think Boston is going to win the series. Because right now, they're struggling to guard Mighty Mouse. And when you have Isaiah Thomas playing the way that he is, and nobody can hang with that little guy. They don't have like a little you know, 5'11 guy who's really quick that could help defend. And he beats everybody off the dribble, and he gets into the lane, and if he's not going to score, he's going to kick to an open shooter, and Boston can, can knock down shots. And that's what they've done. Bradley Beal really struggled in game two. Really big time. Expect him to uh, come back. And he play has much to. Better. Trent, if he doesn't, if he doesn't help out scoring wise, then the Wiz are going to lose this series. Yeah, I mean fast. And he had the shot at the end after uh, Wall missed the jumper. Yes, he had a putback and he short armed that thing yeah. too. Uh, something, something's not right there. And and the Celtics, they can throw a myriad of different people at you with Avery Bradley and what he can do and Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. They make it tough out they there. They do. But, but Wall needs help. There's no doubt about it. We'll see if he gets it. Tonight. Look, you saw Marcus Smart play at Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. and. How much better is his game now than when you remember him playing in the Big 12? Well, I mean, I, I'd argue he was he was obviously a lot better college player. So I, I, he's better, obviously. He's he's a better shooter now. Yes. But he's just Marcus Smart. I, what do you mean? Do, but, but don't you see, though, how his game has progressed now well, since yeah, he's but, been in the I mean, league? That, okay, that, that, that was my question. Oh. Well, not everybody, but... but, well, but who, before, who's got worse in the NBA? I, I'm not going to say that they've gotten worse, but they haven't progressed as, I think, as well as Marcus Smart has. I thought that he can really drain the three now, which was an inconsistent shot for him when he was in college. Right. He... He doesn't try to flop as much, although I think I did see oh, that. He flops a lot. I, I know, but I thought I saw it in the game last night. I think he tried to draw a couple that does. way. That's so. That's how he plays. But but that's that's his game. That's all. I I just I just kind of thought that I've I've really seen growth in his game since Big Twelve days. That's all. Gotcha. Okay. That's it. That's all I had on Marcus Smart. <laughs> that's it. Look, Jimmy B. I know you. You need to get out to the. I'm golf going course. to the golf course, pal. You need to clear your head. Yeah, because this this final segment, I don't know where you've been. The pressure has. I You're think, thinking about the golf course already, aren't you? Well, I'm I'm working on that 172 yard drive, right, right, and trying to get the driver squared away so I can maybe get up to 175. All right. So that's what I'm working on, and I'll let you know tomorrow if I have success with that. You playing nine, eighteen? No, Let's... I'm just going to go to the driving range. Oh, just the yeah, driving for me, range. Yeah, I still think it's too wet. Too wet? Huh? Yeah, I don't want to that that cart path only stuff. Yeah, no, man. When you're 92, you got to be able to drive to your ball. You got a caddy. <laughs> Jimmy gibby has got a lot of pull. He can do those kind of things. <laughs> Give Brits a caddy. He'll be good to go. All right, are we out of here? We are done. Jim, we will do it again tomorrow at noon here. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talkers 1700. Get ready for the sports weekend on a Friday, your favorite day of the week, Friday. Well, the work week. Well, yeah. Yeah. It is. And then Saturday and Sunday, your other favorite days. This work work stuff is tough. I know. You made it a whole week. I I did. As long as you come in tomorrow. Oh, I'll be here. You think so? Oh, sure. I'll be here with freaking bells on. What if you get hit by lightning out on the golf course? Oh, well, then that would be problematic. (laughs) Be like Caddyshack. (laughs) That would be...
Hollering rap parts. Yes, that would be tough. That would be tough. We'll talk to you all tomorrow at noon. Jimmy B and TC here from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. If you miss any portion of the show, you can always go back and catch it on the podcast page over at 1700kbgg.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.